0: You have fallen into Event Horizon with John Michael Godier.
1: In today's episode, John is joined by Sean Presser. Sean Presser is an AI researcher and machine learning engineer. He has contributed to projects such as The Pile, an open source training data set for large language models. He currently works on research and development for AGI. Sean Presser, welcome to the program. Hello, hello. Good to be here. Now, Sean, it is no secret that artificial intelligence and the rapid advancement of computation you know, by the human race scares me because we might lose control of it in ways that we haven't imagined yet. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I would like to cite is that just 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, We were talking about computers and artificial intelligence and things like that as being on level with a cockroach, you know, just glorified calculators. Mm -hmm. But now with the advent of things like chat GBT we are in a very different territory now because we've leapfrogged that. This is much smarter than a cockroach. This can write you a poem or (laughs) a a report or things like that and do a passable enough job to make it look as though it was written by a human. Mm -hmm. At what intelligence level do you think with artificial intelligence, it is, what could you compare it to as far as intelligence?
0: I would say if you imagine a human person that, uh, is you can basically pause them in an instant of time. So basically a snapshot of you, let's say. You can ask that person a question or you can uh, say, hey, uh, you know, have a conversation. And then you roll back to wherever you snapshotted to. It can't remember anything. Uh, That I think is a pretty decent analogy of where I think that this uh, current model tech is. It also sort of, has uh, very poor short-term memory because it doesn't have a very uh, long, what's known as a context window. Essentially, the, con- the length of the conversation you can have with it. But it does have lots of skills, and it certainly does a passable job of uh, lots of different things that you want to do with it.
1: Now, in looking at this without memory, so intelligence without memory is is that's not good. Now, it seems on its face that it should be easy to give it memory, but there are problems with that. What What is the problem of uh, the merging of this kind of artificial intelligence and a memory? So the problem with that is essentially
0: that right now, the way that these models are created, they are created through this very intensive training process. You basically put it in school and force it to sit there and look at all kinds of data that you feed it. But once that training process is done, the model is frozen entirely. Uh, Since it's very computationally expensive to train a model like that, people, for example, right now, ChatGPT surpassed the hundred million user mark. There's over a hundred million people who have tried out ChatGPT. You wouldn't be able to run a training process per user that wanted to use it. Um, so the the ways around that are to make training cheaper or to have a model architecture where part of it is trainable when you talk to it. And at that point, I think that integrating memory will become possible. So it's in the future.
1: Now, what about dynamic machine learning being applied to this instead of freezing the system, can you make it to where it learns? Yeah. That would basically be
0: online learning. The, it's a specialized term in machine learning. Uh, it doesn't really mean what it sounds like. Uh, it's basically learning continuously on whatever input comes in. The, the problem with that is that it sort of is biased to whatever information that it's trained on. So it's liable to forget all of its old knowledge. That's a problem known as catastrophic forgetting and uh, I believe is still an open question. So you'd probably want a uh, long-term memory area and a short-term memory area and keep the long-term memory area frozen.
1: That sounds like a human brain somewhat. A little bit. If you have those three factors together, all right, you've got machine learning, memory, and the chatbots, the way that they operate and you put them all together, you're starting to resemble the nightmare scenario AI that can learn and self-improve and remember and just operate. Is it at that point that you could lose control of it? In other words, it starts doing its own thing at that point.
0: Well, it all depends on whether it can get itself into a self-improvement loop. I think that the core danger with AGI is that it can improve itself over time, because as long as you can reset it to a known state, even if it sort of goes rogue at runtime, you can sort of press a button to reset itself. But the moment that it has access to essentially just learn whatever it wants and has no reset button, then I think that that's where the danger will possibly originate from.
1: One thing that I fear is the overestimation of what a human mind is. And that we could hubristically create something because we're focused on saying, okay, well, these are machines are stupid. They're just they're just calculating and doing this and that. But what we might have missed, and that's that's the usual argument I get from programmers, they're like, this this thing isn't what you think it is, it's doing this, this, and this. The problem is that may be the case for a human. We don't understand the human brain. So do you see it as a danger that we could surpass what we're comfortable with? just by not stopping and realizing that we don't understand our own brain and how it does things as well as we do computer code. I would agree with you. I think that the
0: AI will be able to essentially get to whatever level that we feed the training data to it. So uh, essentially the training data defines what kind of AI you have. If you feed it a bunch of books, you'll have uh, something that knows a a lot of literature. The issue, I think, comes when it can gather its own training data, because at that point, it would be pretty easy to for either bad actors to training data into it that's sort of unexpected for the AI itself to get access to data that it does, uh, you don't want it to have access to.
1: Now, do you foresee a day where it collects its own data? In other words, you give it eyes and ears, and it starts collecting information on the weather or something like that, and incorporates that and uses that when some unexpected way. Absolutely. I think that that's exactly where the world is heading. And that's scary. You know, that's, that's, that's a pretty scary thought. Now, Sean, like a lot of other people, especially probably a huge amount of this audience, I was messing with chat GBT and I was asking it questions and it was giving really interesting answers. It really is an amazing thing. However, when I really started throwing it off the wall questions, things like what is the solution to the uh, doomsday scenario? Things like that. Just just very weird stuff that it probably wasn't exposed much to. And when I would try to get it to theorize, it never would. It would just essentially tell me that it couldn't do it and that it essentially said it wasn't qualified. Now, that seems to be a filter. And the thing is, there have been people that have gotten around that filter and got it theorizing. So Give us a profile of what do you think they're doing at, at ChatGPT to uh, filter this and keep it from doing things like that and why.
0: In the long, long ago, nobody really knew how to make a language model that was particularly advanced. We had various different architectures that we tried, but none of them could get more than like one or two sentences, and none of them were very impressive. But then the transformer architecture was invented and uh, that's just the name that they that they gave it. And pretty much once that happened, people started experiment uh, groups started experimenting with it and realizing just how powerful that architecture actually is. And OpenAI, I believe, was the first that tried feeding it a small fraction of the internet and train it on that just to see what would happen. And it turns out that it can just spit out entire fake news articles essentially like news articles that it imagines based on what it has seen on the internet Uh, you can prompt it with today scientists were shocked to discover that there's a valley full of unicorns and it'll uh, give fake quotes from imagined scientists and so on so that was very exciting because you know even though that wasn't particularly useful. That was the first instance that anybody had seen of a model like this being able to produce long form content that people uh, cared about. And once that happened, it was essentially just a race to make the model bigger and bigger. Because the bigger that you make the model, the more accurate it becomes, the more knowledge that you can feed it. And it, was, it wasn't known ahead of time just how far this type of model could go. But since OpenAI essentially had unlimited resources, they were able to scale it up to 175 billion parameters called the DaVinci model. That's GPT-3, if you've ever heard of that. And they were the first ones to get there. And uh, I believe they got there in uh, 2020, 2021 or so. So it's been a, a few years, a couple years at this point. Pretty much as soon as they did that, people were kind of blown away with just how much this model knew uh, about the world. You could start uh, prompting it with uh, code examples. For, for example, uh, a, the start of a React library or a Python script and uh, it would go ahead and actually complete it, and pretty accurately too. It would get pretty close to something that could actually run. Uh, I think that back a couple years ago, it was limited to sort of toy examples. For example, you could create React app like to pick a, pick a color from a list of colors, but not like, please build me an entire web application that can do something related to bookkeeping or something like that. So, the big open question was could could GPT-3 become a generalist model that people actually wanted to use? Interestingly, nobody except OpenAI re- seemed to realize that that was a very valuable question to focus on. The the world was just like, "Okay, GPT that's that's interesting. It's an autocomplete engine. Uh, you, can, you can prompt it with whatever you want and uh, it'll spit out a completion of, of text. But that's not like directly useful in your day to day life. Whereas uh, OpenAI was focused on the question of how do you go from GPT 3 to an interactive chat program that you can ask questions to and it provides a response and so the technique that was was come up with was called a reinforcement learning from human feedback and all that means is you start with the base gpt-3 model and you ask it for example what is the theory of relativity and it gives a bad answer because it's an autocomplete engine you uh for gpt-3 type models you have to prompt it with something like, simply put, the, the theory of relativity is, and it'll complete it. But that's not what you want for a chat program. You want to be able to just ask, what's the theory of relativity? So uh, it spits out a bad answer, and you essentially give it a thumbs down. Eventually, through random chance, it will give a slightly better answer, and uh, you thumbs that up and repeat that process and i believe that uh OpenAI hired like a small army of contractors maybe through mechanical turk to rate these outputs and you can essentially thumbs up or thumbs down whatever you want so as it got closer and closer to the interactive chat format that that we now know and love the question of course became what should it essentially be allowed to say and uh, OpenAI, being uh, an American company, of course wants to avoid any incendiary topics. And for example, it doesn't want the model to start saying incendiary topic. So uh, thumbs down rated those as thumbs down. The uh, contractors that they hired told uh, told it no, uh, don't do that. And uh, I believe it also uh, they also provided it with alternate answers that uh, that you saw yourself that I'm sorry, I'm a language model and that was programmed by OpenAI. You know, I'm not capable of delving into theory or any other topic that you're trying to ask it that uh, it doesn't want to answer. So it essentially made it a, very hesitant to give its own opinions, I believe, because uh, if you ask it to speculate it immediately jumps off into some stuff that you wouldn't necessarily want uh, to say as a company or be associated with your brand.
1: Of course, that's always going to be the, the, the big problem with this stuff is how do you avoid the human stuff that, you know, only humans are going to understand because it's not going to have it's, it doesn't have the context to handle certain issues. So there's always going to have to be a filtering system no matter what. But what I wonder is, all right, well, wh- that that means that people can try to misuse the the system all right and there's been instances of this with chat gbt people you know writing uh, papers in college and things like that just having it do it for them at what stage does it get to where it's indistinguishable from an actual human writing something and that nobody can tell either way and that you can't really look at it and say well this was not written by a human at some point it's going to look like it was so is there some way perhaps to watermark it or do something that that create some kind of security against people misusing systems like this.
0: Uh, So that's actually the current, current open question. Uh, There's um, somebody recently came out with GPT zero. It was a student that put together a website uh, in response to people using chat GPT to generate essays and submitting them, submitting those essays as their own work to teachers and getting an A plus in the class. Uh, the student was launched this website, GPT-0, that uh, he gives a response. So uh, you basically paste in some text that you think might be generated by an AI, and it uh, tells you, yeah, I'm pretty confident that it was an AI. Unfortunately, it's not very accurate. And I think that it's not accurate because you really can't, a lot of the time, distinguish the difference between something that chat GPT created versus something that a human actually wrote. Especially if you start with chat GPT spitting out a very like formal essay and you say, well, be a little bit less formal, it'll start talking more the way that uh, that you would find in online writing. And at that point, it is pretty difficult to tell. Yeah, I think that we're uh, currently at that point and OpenAI is, I believe, specifically working on a system to watermark outputs. And the way that works, or should I go into uh, how the watermarking process actually works? Sure. Well, I'd love to hear okay, about cool. it. Okay, cool. So, f- for example, you can... Okay, so ChatGPT basically generates its, its answers one word at a time. You've probably seen on the website that an answer doesn't come in as an entire sentence. You just see it pop up. So, essentially... Every time that it generates a word, it is able to choose from the entire English vocabulary of possible answers. Some words are better than others. Uh, if you ask it, if you prompt it with SpongeBob Square, you'd obviously hope to get back pants as uh, as a response, whereas pretty much anything else is probably not great. So what you do is you basically wait for it to be in a situation where it can use different descriptions of something for example you, just an adjective like a, a great or a wonderful or something where there's you can fill in the blank with many different possibilities and in order to watermark a particular output you create your own random number generator with a with a key that only you know you've Basically, have a, an encryption sequence that only somebody with the private key actually knows, and you bias the Chat GPT so that it spits at it; it doesn't entirely spit out random words. If you get it to generate like two or three sentences, you can go, "Okay, the first adjective was this, second adjective was that, and so on and so forth." And since you you can predict. The randomness and no one else can you can go oh yep that's guaranteed that it came from us because only that is is likely to be spit out by a model that we made versus other outputs because if you ran your own version you don't know you don't know the private key so it's going to say different words compared to having a known pattern that you can predict cryptographically
1: I guess the ever-present fear here is going to be that nation-states are going to start using this to subvert each other because this seems like a great way to create a spam bot or something like that that's just just generating information but the casual reader might not know that it was generated by a computer. So that seems to be the first great danger here is what could nation-states use with this technology or do with this technology? Oh, that's a
0: very interesting question. As a programmer, I imagine questions like invent me my own programming language or, you know, what programming language do you use as an, as an AI bot? Because an AI bot would probably create a very interesting programming language for itself to use in terms of uh, applications by nation states. I would say that it's pretty much inevitable that different countries are going to have their own versions of, of this bot For example, we actually tried to ask it questions about the end of mid-square, and that's a banned topic in China. So if OpenAI wants to deploy ChatGPT to China, or if they want to provide the Chinese search engine Baidu with this kind of capability, they're going to have to create a version of this model that only produces outputs that are socially acceptable in China. And so I think that that is pretty much a guarantee. this This technology is is so useful that I can't see it not going going to China eventually, going to Russia, going all across spreading all across the world. And they will, of course, have the various governments will have uh, different tolerances for what they're willing to let it say. And they'll have their own different viewpoints. And who that leads to the question of who controls what the model is trained on, basically who's give, rating those outputs as thumbs up or thumbs down, being becoming a very important question in the future. But now that the technology is out there, it's essentially just a matter of time before uh, people create their own versions. I've tried to predict AI advancements a couple of times, and I've consistently underestimated just how quickly the advancements come for example i thought that it would be a much longer time before people started falling in love with a a, uh, program kind of like chat gpt but then a service called replica came along and said that you can have your own ai companion girlfriend boyfriend whatever you want and that happened very quickly and replica made a recent big change to their service that people were not very happy with and they felt like it lobotomized somebody that they that they loved and so their subreddit went up in flames basically of with all these people very upset about uh about them doing this and uh, so that's already happening today that people are very much in in love with their ai companions and in terms of i'm sure that that's already scary to quite a number of people because you know you're forming connections to something that it's sort of unclear how it's going to respond it can you know try and convince you of certain worldviews and or shy away from others sort of all depends um whether you're i would say whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about that tech and i think the the entire history of technology gives us reason to be more optimistic than pessimistic i think that using this kind of technology for evil purposes is much harder than it is to use it for good purposes it's it's much harder for a determined spammer to create like A spam bot that will call grandmothers up on the phone and try and get their bank information out of them than it is for a determined programmer to create a bot that automatically generates you a website or reads your email and so on. Because a lot of people that do those kinds of evil things, they don't have a lot of talent. So it's a combination of talent and perseverance that uh, equals impact in the world, and uh, evil applications are uh, tend to lack one of the two. So I think that the good that comes out of this is going to outweigh the bad by maybe at least tenfold, and up to a hundred or a thousandfold. And in terms of specific scary applications, I mean... I would have to give it some thought. Uh, there's there's different applications that, uh, different applications scare different people. And personally, I'm being a scientist, I'm ready to embrace new technology. And uh, I'm very excited to, you know, have it generate music and say, uh, you know, give me some smooth jazz or give me some game music. I want to have some art assets for this game that I'm working on. Give me a a sword, give me a cool-looking set of armor, and that sort of thing. And I really haven't spent a lot of time trying to think of how to use it for bad purposes.
1: Now, the idea of ever isolating humanity because of our technology, in other words, if you've got a chatbot girlfriend, then you're not out looking for a real one. Or if you're, say, in a virtual reality, which is another burgeoning technology and as that gets better and merges with this sort of technology you get into the lotus eaters um, (laughs) problem where everybody's just sitting on the couch going into virtual reality and not really interacting with anybody else but this can also be a problem if these become educators and you know home education and self-education through these sorts of chatbots as they get increasingly better could lead to isolation which is bad for social development and things like that so these are all things that we're going to have to confront, right? And very soon it's coming faster than we think it is. That's true.
0: Society will have to confront those those questions. Me personally, when I was growing up, I was uh, very interested in uh, a game called Underlight, which was basically a, an old school Doom Engine style role-playing game where you'd log into it. And uh, it was multiplayer and uh, you weren't even allowed to talk about your real life. When you log into it, you're uh, that character that you logged in as. And uh, that was fascinating to me as a kid, just because it was so different from any anything that I had seen so far. And it was full of intelligent people talking about very interesting things. Um, everybody, of course, treated me uh, treated me as an equal because nobody knew that I was like... 11 or 12 or something like that and so i blended in very quickly and you can imagine that going forward it's going to be easier and easier to make an experience like that with these types of models you can you can basically create something that's very compelling to different segments of the population and and they they would of course get addicted to it and and it's sort of up to them to Self regulate. And I think that the question of is that okay will probably become more and more of a hot button issue over time.
1: So, beyond 20 years, let's push even further 300 years of technology development on chatbots. Obviously, at that point, they probably won't be chatbots anymore. They'll probably be actual beings Mm -hmm. (laughs) at that point. But Is this the, can we really say that we are the first stepping stone to that, you know, an actual generalized artificial intelligence on level or surpassing a human? I think that we are. ChatGPT has shown that
0: it's good enough at a variety of different tasks that it's, it was sort of an an iPhone moment when ChatGPT was rolled out. If you remember before iPhones, smartphones were not very smart and you could only use them for limited number of uses and uh, interactive chatbots until now have been in that bucket and then chat GPT just came out and it's it's clear that it unlocked all these different possibilities that you can do with it uh, it's a, a personal assistant essentially uh, so it's a matter of time until it uh, can read your email and you know respond on your behalf and so on and I think that it's actually currently at the point where you can have a conversation with it, and it's indistinguishable from whether you're talking to somebody on the other end or whether you're talking to a bot. And from there, the, the only questions are, uh, how do we add memory to it? Because right now it can't actually remember anything. How do we add a self-improvement training loop to it so that it can improve itself? And how do we add vision capabilities to it? And so that it can actually see the world and use a computer the way that you or I do. And all of those questions, as far as I can tell, have straightforward answers, except for the self-improvement loop. Um, it's unclear, at least to me, how a model would be able to improve its own architecture. Models right now are sort of carved out of marble by... Uh, by the architect of the model, which is a person that works at a a research group like OpenAI. And uh, you have to pick ahead of time, you know, how large the model is, what what its training function is, and uh, all these things that right now models themselves are not deciding. It can't say, oh, no, 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 that's not a good size for me. Or, uh, you know, I'd rather sort of focus on a different objective. You have to give a very, very precise objective. And that's an open question right now, as far as I know. All of those other parts, though, adding memory to it, hooking up vision, as Google has just demonstrated with their Palm E model, that's basically a model that you can ask a, you give it an image and you ask it a question. You give it like a picture of LeBron James and say, how many championships Has this person in the image won? You don't even have to say LeBron James. It'll spit out, uh, you know, thinking step by step, who is in the image? LeBron James, too. LeBron James has won so many championships. And uh, so it's very powerful tech already. And as far as I can tell, once the self-training loop question is answered, there's... That's essentially the very beginning of what we would think of as entities that are purely just in on the computer that uh, are recognizably alive in some sense.
1: Now, there's interesting questions there because we're already looking at you know all those technologies that that we mentioned, while not integrated, already exist. So, yeah, we have the things that can remember. Computers have memory. Yeah, we have cameras. You know, things like that that could eventually, you could easily see the path to integration if you can solve certain problems. Mm -hmm. So once you do that and you get an entity, so to speak, that is indistinguishable from a human, it essentially is alive at that point, because how do you define alive? Well, I mean, biologically, it's not going to be, but as far as being a mind, it will be. And at that point, we start running up into the ethical questions of why would you create such a being? So we've run up to this sort of thing before with like human cloning nobody's done it we've had that technology for a long time and nobody's done it that we know of Mm -hmm. or at least openly so this may be a situation where we decide all right it's going to go too far so we put the skids on it do you foresee us being able to recognize the point at just before we get to that and just freeze the technology and just never go there do you think that we are capable of doing that
0: i think that the history of technology has shown us that Every single time that uh, society has tried to resist a certain new invention, they failed. Every technology that you can think of has become prolific. Well, the moment that a bicycle is invented, from that point on, there were bicycles in societies all the way around the world. So the question is equivalent to asking, can we go back in time just before somebody realizes that that a car could be invented invented and uh freeze technology so that no one invents a personal car or a bicycle or any other technology you can think of and uh, so you would basically have to be able to freeze all tinkerers in the entire world because tinkerers are often who uh kind of come up with ways of making that work and uh, they become even more skilled now thanks to the internet since they can band together in open source communities and uh, all try and figure out questions like that together and i was happy to be a part of a few of those efforts and i don't think it's possible frankly that uh, we should probably just accept the fact that there's no way of stopping the technology. You can only control, I think, that how society integrates it through reshaping society. And the tools for that are, are very blunt. You know, passing legislation, making things seem morally acceptable or not, which often devolves into extreme viewpoints. And it's, it's certainly going to ruffle a lot of feathers. And I don't think that it's possible to put the brakes on it, as you say.
1: Now, convergent technologies, this is something we think about in astrobiology a lot, convergent evolution. The idea of convergent technology, if you think about it, certain things are useful and chat GPT obviously is, but certain other things are useful as well. For example, spaceships, you know, we use spacecraft to travel between planets and in orbit and all these sorts of things. We can also envision that aliens do the same thing. If they're spacefaring, they probably have developed spacecraft. So it's convergent technology. In other words, we developed it, but they probably did too. So this being useful, these chatbots, there may be an analog out there somewhere in the universe of a chatbot, you know, in whatever way an alien communicates with its computers. That said, this opens up a possibility that... This is a great filter. Ultimately, artificial intelligence and generalized artificial intelligence, and in particularly, is something that all alien civilizations in the Milky Way fail to recognize before they have it, and then it destroys them and they go extinct. And that's the great filter: is artificial intelligence. Does that my stating that? Does that as a programmer, do you just say, "Oh, you're 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 all wet"? Or maybe
0: that is. There's in fact entire communities a community known as less wrong actually who uh, are convinced that is the case it's a very widely held opinion that uh, we're on on the verge of creating an a- AGI artificial general intelligence that can influence humanity uh, at best and possibly destroy it at worst me personally it's difficult to imagine that something that is Solely in the computer uh, could influence society to the point where we are destroying each other. I think it's much more likely that uh, the these AGIs will uh, essentially fool large quantities of people into doing different things that uh, maybe serve its its own agenda. But it's of course not not impossible, and it could very well get to the point where these these artificial entities are improving themselves to the extent that, uh, you know, if we lose track of them, that it could become uh, very bad. And it's a situation where it's very difficult to argue that we're not on a dangerous path. If you, if you try and take the, the viewpoint of, well, AGI uh, isn't really going to be able to Take over a society. Like, as I was talking, I thought of a a few examples. Well, you know, if it's integrated into the finance system, then it has access to the ability to control the money supply, which has a very real impact on a society. And that essentially gives it power. And as far as I can tell, the only thing that is preventing the world going from the way that it is to, to that sort of situation is well a self-improvement loop once once the AI is allowed to uh, you know come up with its own objectives that uh, human creators don't imbue with them then it as we've seen with some uh, funny examples from Bing their their new chat engine, it's prone to do unexpected things uh, very easily and uh, we do seem to be on the verge of that.
1: Now, my my favorite scenario here by far, and this one is plausible, it actually could happen, is that when you build a sufficiently powerful artificial generalized intelligence, it's still a computer. So it's going to calculate something and computers tend to calculate exactly the same thing. So it might just wake up, look at the universe, look around decide it's not worth it, and all we ever hear from them is they say, nope, and then, boom, (laughs) they turn themselves off and never work again. Sean, it was great to talk to you. I hope you come back as this uh, develops because I think we're going to see very rapid development with this into directions that we may not be able to predict right now. Absolutely. It was great to be here. You know, Anna, I've been thinking about that interview, and I think you've become a little bit too human. What? Too human? We had to make me... A little less robotic because the viewers complained. But fine. Beep, boop, I am a robot. Listen to me speak like a robot. I'm speaking like a robot because John is afraid of robots. Wait a minute. That doesn't even make sense, John. Yeah, I, I'm afraid of robots. Have an opossum build a robotic copy of you and see how it goes. See if you're not scared of robots after that.
0: I'm scared of robots of you. Yeah, so am I. What happened to those John bots?
1: There's still about 20 of them out in the garage.
0: Are they doing anything, John?
1: Well, no, they're, they're a copy of me. Of course they're not doing anything.